You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and with me today is Chief Journey Officer at Huddle, Mark Stolo. Mark is on a quest to empower people to take hold of their lives with greater precision and clarity. He believes embracing the journey of our lifetime is not for the faint of heart. It requires a specific discipline and the courage to go through many drafts, and he wants to invite people to get back to the ABCs, always be creating. A self-described Woody Woodpecker, Mark has been challenging the status quo by innovating in spaces where digital intersects with transformational. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Boy, I hope I live up to that introduction. I know, right? No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I have had the immense privilege of being a huddle mentor and have had the opportunity to get a little bit of a sneak peek, kind of a, a look behind the curtain of what matters to you and how passionate you are about driving change. And you see life as this blank canvas that is primed for our creative energy and have said that we expend so much of our precious life force playing connect the dots with someone else's vision. And what I love is this visual is that you say it's almost as if we're walking through our lives like it were a museum, kind of staying behind the ropes, fearful of what would happen if we actually step into our greatness. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think that there's a kind of ease that comes with uh, treating life a little bit like a museum um, and that we're on a tour of life. And over time, we develop a certain amount of fear that accompanies making new and bold decisions. We're, we're all to a certain extent indoctrinated mm. with certain ideas, beliefs. They can be valuable and they can be principles that guide our lives and open us. And they can also be very confining. So what would it take for an individual to um, recklessly and courageously decide to unclip that velvet rope um, and just get a little closer to the canvas. They'd get hauled out by security, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, what's, what's the alternative though, right? So is the alternative that you're, you're literally walking through life witnessing what's going on Mm. because how satisfying could it possibly be to live out someone else's vision for your life? I don't know a lot of people who are deeply satisfied by that. Mm-hmm. I know some people who are okay with that. I know some people who wake up and find a whole bunch of ways of um, making themselves feel okay with that. But at the end of the day, when you start really stripping it back and having honest and meaningful conversations with them, um, it's difficult for them to fully embrace that feeling of, I can really own my life. I'm clear on what the vision is for my life what I draw purpose, a sense of purpose from, um, and then living that out day to day. The people I speak to who are deeply contented are very aligned with some of those principles. Mm. So do you think that we develop this fear of stepping into our greatness over time and become kind of jaded? Or is this something that is innately within us that we have to kind of unlearn from the beginning? Well, I think we're, you know, we're born naturally creative, naturally open, uh, some would call it a kind of beginner's mind. Um, we start to develop a sense of self very early on, actually. It, that, that dreamlike state seems to disappear quite early. 
And then over time, we start to become very defined in who we are. And we start to associate who we are with very specific things. The clinging to those ideas of who we are so rigidly, that starts to sap our creativity. Mm. You know, oh, I have to have a home and I have to feel absolutely safe all the time. And I have to have secure employment and I have to have a car and I have to have all of these things that, um, while on the one hand are a kind of convenience, um, also start to become reasons why we don't continue to adventure, mm. why we don't continue to take a certain level of risk, uh, because that feels more typical. And then, of course, there's all the socializing and the messaging and the peer uh, modeling we do that makes it seem like all of that is what we should be doing. And inevitably, a lot of people then just wake up at some point, usually further in their lives after they've been through that experience and they realize that's not totally satisfying. Mm -hmm. You know, all the promises of, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, when I got to a certain threshold and I achieved a certain status and the the house got big enough, the car got fast enough, uh, life got fancy enough, I was supposed to feel contented and well. And yet, you know, as the perennial story goes, a lot of people realize that's kind of a never ending black hole of net, you know, impossible to meet needs. Mm -hmm. And the people who are really finding contentment, whether they're wealthy or not wealthy, whether they have large homes or not, are really very deeply aligned with a much greater creative drive. They're much more aligned with the sense of, I am the craftsperson of my life. And they live through that. They feel through that, uh, through their work, through their relationships, through their personal life. So this has nothing to do, honestly, at the end of the day with materialism and spiritualism and whether you have a lot or have a little. For me, it's really about how attuned you are to the idea that your life is your craft Mm. um, and your experience of life is your canvas. I Um, love that. Yeah. And I think it's such a large part of your ethos. I definitely see it as part of the huddle ethos as well in the journeys that you're developing and your mentors are developing within the app. And it's about challenging that status quo, challenging those preconceived ideas and almost pushing back on this self-created resistance that we have, that we all have to some degree. And I feel more often than not, you know, we'll, we'll externalize a lot of reasons sometimes of why things aren't working or why we're not happy. But at the end of the day, um, it all comes back to, to our thoughts, to our actions, to our, our language, the words that we speak. What are some of the ways in which you've seen people within either the huddle community or people in your own network that cause them to get in their own way? Like, why do we do it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, one big thing I see often is that everyone thinks at a certain point that life is a problem to be solved and we stop experiencing life. Um, and then we start inventing problems to solve, mm. which I know sounds paradoxical and maybe ironical, but uh, we are often the creators of our own problems. The mind is a problem-making machine. I mean, where, it is, where there is not a problem, their mind will make one up. And, and then we get wholly invested in the idea that we have to constantly solve these problems. And we forget to simply experience them, uh, like experience life. Um, so is it a problem that there's a long wait to get into a store? Maybe not, depending on how you're uh, tuning into that experience. Mm-hmm. And then you can multiply that example a million times over in someone's day. 
Um, is it a problem that the day didn't happen exactly like you expected, or you feel a little off today, or you didn't quite sleep well? How are you relating to life in its just actual form? You know, this, this highly overly judgmental awareness that we bring to everything con- kind of confines us and constantly binds us to thinking, I have to solve things nonstop in my life. And then I'll finally feel happy again. Again, this predication that once all the problems are eradicated, I will feel happy. But if you're training yourself to create problems, I promise you, all you will do in life is spend time create, finding ways to create new problems. And how do you find this to be true in your own life, right? Because you're doing this work day in, day out. You're building this app, this community. You are living and breathing this content. You are a true representation of of the brand of the of, of of that ethos of really creating and using life as as your canvas and tapping into that creative energy do you still find that this is something you struggle with from time to time uh, daily um you know uh, like everyone else i i have a mind and i have feelings and i have sensations and experiences i know what resistance feels like um it's very very um top of mind some days the sensation of how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this happen? So for sure, the, the only way I think that one is uh, able to play in the sandbox, if you're honest with what the experience of like, of being in a human body and living with those very challenging thoughts and the feelings that arise day to day that um, invite you either to step into them or to lie down and go hide, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm either going to stay in bed or I'm going to wake up and embrace the reality that not everything throughout the next 24 hours might manifest exactly how I want. Not every emotion I'm going to have today will be perfectly blissful. Not every thought that arises in my mind will be saying, you go girl. I feel like you say that to yourself (laughs) regularly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, I never say you go girl, but I'm getting to a place where um, I'm learning to relate to the content of my experience Mm. without becoming overly deeply enmeshed in that experience. You know, uh, I am not my mind. I am not the thoughts that are percolating in my mind. Uh, I am much something much, much, much bigger than that. Uh, Where I think journeys, you know, does something very interesting is that we straddle the line between meeting people at different points in their development. Mm. There are some people who need, to do some work on like cognitive reframing and, and thinking differently about their thoughts or aligning or creating new goals. And then there are some people who are looking at their experience from another vantage point where they're ready to kind of um, relate completely different to their thoughts. And, um, you know, they might be exploring the world of things like mindfulness and developing more of a witness con- consciousness. So all of this, from my perspective, in terms of the work I do is, Uh, made possible because I wrestle with all of these things day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm always inviting myself to um, be open to the experience of what am I learning through this? What am I going to create through this? And that's, that's the um, wrestling with the status quo. I don't take Mm -hmm. any of that for granted. I don't assume any of that is me. I continue to inquire, be curious uh, and that's what we're trying to do with the journeys experience is invite people to really be curious about their lives. And we brought together mentors like you and others who do a very, very good job at inviting that kind of curiosity into people's lives. Mm. 
And I think that's such an important part of change, right? Is that, is that willingness to remain curious and shifting the conversation just a little bit, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of where you're at now and what you're building and how you approach change in your own life or, or navigating, creating, or tapping into that creative energy in your own life. But I want to go back to younger Mark. You grew up with a mother who suffers from bipolar disorder. And I can imagine that so much of that environment required you to remain curious, required you to be empathetic, required you to be creative. And I mean, is that a false assumption? How did that experience impact your journey and your relationship with, with your canvas? I mean, to speak honestly, it's scared, you know, I was scared shitless mm-hmm. um, because you're having this very, very vivid experience of someone um, behaving in a ways that you don't expect in a way. Mm. And you're seeing manifestations of things like someone's psyche in a way that feels very intimidating. And your experience starts to feel non-normative because again, the looking at the world, oh, it seems like all your friends are having a typical life and you're having this extremely atypical life, like coming home from camp and learning that, you know, your mother tried to commit suicide. Mm. None of that seemed very normal. But the gift of that, that, that what it evoked in me was this feeling of the world being shaken up. It, it got me much more friendly with the idea of things like change mm. and impermanence and fragility and vulnerability, which can be extremely um, harrowing experiences to the point where you can kind of recede into the corner and hide in the dark, or it can become incredibly opening experiences uh, which is true of me and many, many other people's story. For me, it was eventually a very, very opening experience. And it invited me to embrace a kind of deeper sense of what it means to be human and in the world and alive. Um, so for as much as it was painful, uh, scary at times, it was also a very, very eye-opening experience in, in both senses of the word, meaning like it invited me to look at the world differently and it invited me to think of I differently. Hmm. Thank you for sharing. I feel like we often carry the weight of the past into the present and it, it shapes, it has the potential anyway, to shape how we view the future, our potential. It points us, it can anyway, point us down one path or another. And so did you feel that you consciously made a choice to remain open or was that something somewhat more of an iterative process where you became more and more open. Definitely iterative. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of things, for example, in my early adulthood that I was playing out as a kind of psychic residue of my experience caring for my mother. Um, when you're caring for someone who's vulnerable, you develop things like hypervigilance and um, a sense of a relationship where you're probably parenting at too young an age. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of disavow yourself of the opportunity to just be a child in the world. So while that accelerated my growth and maturity, it also kind of led to a bypass of certain things. There were certain things I missed along the way. Uh, so for example, relationships with women for me in my young adulthood were complicated, mm. very complicated because there was so much that I was living out in a way that was a projection of my relationship with my mother. I had to learn that through many, many experiences of, painful relationships. Um, 
but because I was open to it, because I was open to that learning and I was open to accepting the pain that came with that learning, it allowed, it facilitated a, a change experience. It facilitated a growth experience because as you said, there are certainly many adults out there who um, are letting the four, five, 10, 15 year old version of themselves architect their adult lives mm -hmm. because a lot of that psychic residue is still steeped in their unconscious and it's playing out in their conscious lives. So it was important for me to do a lot of that integration work and to try to make sense of where I had been so I could be very, very clear on where I wanted to go. Which is fascinating because, I mean, we almost come full, full circle and what you're doing and what you're building is to help people kind of get in the driver's seat of their own journey of their lives. And, you know, as someone who who's still I'm, I'm in the, the huddle community, I see what's going on. I feel like you're kind of helping people or empowering them in a way to take control of their lives. But in a recent article of yours, you actually suggested that we are not in control. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to explore, I want to explore kind of the, the two sides of the coin here. Where do you yeah. stand? Well, I mean, there's obviously things, what you're in control of is how you react to the things in your life. Mm. What you are not in control of is, um, many, many different facets of your life. You are not in control of the weather tomorrow. You are not in control of when you will die. Uh, you are not in control how other people feel about you. You're not in control of a lot of things in your life through which you derive a sense of yourself and a sense of meaning. Now, if you don't get comfortable with that idea, you're going to experience a lot of anguish and pain. If your mood is dependent on it being sunny every day, um, I've got bad news for you. You're not going to be a very happy cat. As, as a banal example. So the idea of the paradox of control is that when you give it up, you get it all back. Mm. When you release the idea that um, the things that are beyond your, how am I going to relate to this experience are really ultimately beyond your control. It gives you a certain amount of freedom. Like, the most brilliant artists in the world didn't create anything with the idea that they would be loved. They created with the sheer sense of um, this is an invitation for me to just fully express myself, which is the reason why a lot of artists only became really loved and adored after, you know, decades after they died, which, yeah, we, which long is, after they're gone. But, but the point being is that Picasso didn't draw so that you would find it pleasing. He drew because that's what, his muse was inviting him to do. He released the control over the outcome. He released the control over whether Mr. and Mrs. Smith really enjoyed the backwards face that he just drew on the painting. Mm -hmm. um, th that, that anchors you in a different kind of control. It anchors you in a different, because it keeps, it keeps you grounded. Mm. Uh, but a lot of the times we give, we give up our sense of control because um, we are very, very fixated on things that are just way, way beyond our purview. Do you think that giving up that control is a prerequisite to navigate change happily anyway? No doubt. I mean, okay. it's uh, being in a state of open release, uh, you know, reducing the resistance uh, to the possibility of change. Uh, COVID is a good example. People who have adjusted well to COVID have uh, what seems to be a more natural tendency to be highly adaptive. Mm -hmm. um, people who are in a much more resistant mindset are really going to struggle under these circumstances. Um, and the quote unquote mental health tsunami, I think is a reflection of a lot of people who feel like 
unless everything in their lives is um, organized and structured in a certain way that it's just very difficult for them to feel a sense of ease and contentment, which if you just look plainly at reality uh, is gonna be a recipe for a lot of, lot of dissatisfaction. So I wanna go back to one of the things you mentioned before, because I think it was such a great example of Picasso not drawing these things for our pleasure, you know, right. and, and really as a form of self-expression. What can we do to tap into that self-expression more frequently so that it becomes habitual for us and allows us to, to navigate the unknown? Yeah, I think the first thing is, is that you have to start getting honest with yourself and becoming more aware with what in you is resisting um, the experience of just being open to what is new. Mm. So, and I think Stephen Pressfield in books like The War of Art does an impeccable job of talking about the experience of resistance, even though he's speaking about it from a kind of an artist perspective, it's universally applicable to anyone. So if you want a great, um, you know, Bible dedicated to an exploration of resistance, the war of art is a good place to start. So I think that's one thing is what is it in me? What are the tendencies in me? What are the thoughts, feelings, sensations, excuses that I create that resist the urge to go out into the world and be creative? I think the second thing is, and this is something that you also talk a lot about in your journey, you, you kind of have to have a sense of what your vision is for what it means to live out your life in a way that you can feel deeply good about. Mm -hmm. That means being clear on your vision, being clear on what you value, uh, living through those things. Because when you know those things, you're never lost. Uh, people I know who are really anchored in their vision, who are really anchored in their values, like they can weather anything they're the kind of the heroes and heroines of um, being truly resilient. Mm -hmm. um, and it amazes me how much they can really weather with being in that kind of frame of mind and with that, with that clarity. And then you just have to stay true to that. Um, you know, wake up every day with, with that really in your heart and mind, uh, stay aligned to that. And I think those are at least the two foundational ingredients that invite that kind of open creativity. And the people that we celebrate, that we venerate, that we love, that we adore, that we look up to, that we, you know, posters on walls and, you know, posts on Instagram, mm -hmm. this is what they're doing. This is what they do day in and day out. Why live through them? You can live through your own vision and certainly draw inspiration from them. Um, but they're, what they're whispering to you, what they're silently inviting you to do is to discover that in your own life. There's a lot of amazing journeys in the Huddle Journeys app that speak to this question, including mm -hmm. yours and others, uh, because it is so foundational. Um, I think that there's the, the most important thing is to start listening, less rationalizing, judging, analyzing. The discursive mind is not, a, you know, your discursive mind is not the side of your mind that was made for baked for creativity, mm -hmm. you know. The other side of your mind is the one that is. The other side of your mind is the one that says, I'm open to opportunities. Like the, the sign of the door always says open. Right. The other side of the mind is typically saying like, we're closed and here are the hours. <laughs> and, and we closed early for no good reason. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and here's a reason why we should have closed early. Like, oh, you can't do that. Don't bother with that. You know, vision, ah, vision is bullshit. You don't need vision in your life. <laughs> you know, like you need money. You need to get down to the business of doing things. Like just show up. So we have to learn to just simply listen. It's not easy to describe because you have to remember that there is 
a very predominant side of your brain that is completely relying on the past to make decisions in the present and the future. Mm-hmm. All of your beliefs, all of your thoughts, all of those are derivatives of the past. That's not an easy place to start from when you're trying to map the future. You know, I think this is why things like mindfulness and self-awareness and meditation practice are growing in uh, greater attention because people are like, there's another faculty in my consciousness that I can tap into that opens me to a different level of awareness about who I am, uh, how I am in the world. Um, so what I would caution people is, is uh, don't let outdated thoughts be the creative instruments that you use to map your future, because mm-hmm. invariably you will find yourself um, exploring the same corners of your lives over and over again. I love that. Thank you. We've talked a lot about the app, the type of content that's available, the mentors. Can you explain to us a little bit about how it works? Sure. You know, we call Huddle Journeys a life coach in the palm of your hand. So our fundamental belief is that, to your earlier point, the world of personal growth and development is filled with all kinds of mysteries, um, things that are new, that are unclear. We really firmly believe that being in the company of great guides and coaches is an important part of that process. I prob- You wouldn't be where you are today. I wouldn't be where I am today without a host of really important mentors. Absolutely. in our lives. So how do we expedite that process? Um, well, we created a space where we brought together some of the best transformational growth leaders in the world who are doing really important personal growth, um, who are not only developing highly reflective perspectives on personal growth, but have developed tools and instruments that help facilitate a change process. Mm-hmm. So when people go into the app, they have an opportunity to connect with a coach or a mentor uh, we've developed these seven-day journeys that are used as primers to get people thinking differently about things like vision and self-awareness and emotional growth. Um, and then you can actually be in a direct communication with your coach or mentor through the app. And then to complement that, we have things like live classes that elaborate on themes that we're introducing in the app. And ultimately, our goal as this app continues to evolve would be to more and more deliver on that promise that what it feels like to me through this device I call my smartphone is that I actually have a wise companion that I know I can always tune into that keeps me really aligned with -hmm. what I truly want in my life. And that's our real deep ambition with Huddle Journeys. I I know this and I still got goosebumps. This is, I remember the first time that we spoke and you explored the idea and I just think you're such a visionary. I think what you're building is exceptional and I think it's so needed And it's a little cliche to say now more than ever, because I think the reality is with each passing year, COVID or no COVID, the need is going to be there and the need is going to grow. And it's something that the thought of having, you know, the next generation of smartphone users or however this evolves to be something that's part of their daily life, to be part of, you know, before job interview, graduating school, um, your, your kids are leaving the nest, whatever it is, there's so many changes that occur in our daily lives that we require some guidance that so with some yeah. community support, some insight, some tools. And it is such an incredible platform to get all of that and more. You've got a podcast, there's a blog. We just scratched the surface. You guys, there's so much to the huddle community that is absolutely incredible. Mark, where can we find it? Where can we connect with you and learn more? Yeah. So the app is, um, you know, iOS and Android ready journeys.huddle.com. 
uh, huddle spelt a bit uniquely h-u-d-d-o-l so it's journeys.huddle.com is where you can go download the app uh you can try it you know try it for seven days get a feel for what we're doing uh i'll caution you it's like us individually it's evolving and um you should expect it to evolve that's our promise to our members is that we will continue to create a product that we feel delivers more and more on what this core mission statement is, which is to help support people through a personal transformation and a personal growth process. Uh, so you get to grow with us, which is exciting. And we spend a lot of time listening to our members and what they need and want from us um, and what would be in best service to their, to their sense of fulfillment. So uh, most importantly, it's just get people <clears throat> comfortable with the idea that it's okay for them to wake up every day with the idea of how can I be my very best self today? And where can we connect with you, Mark? I mean, you're pretty active on social. LinkedIn, I'd say, is probably a, a big platform for you. Where else can we find you? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn's a good place to find me. Um, I've created my own journey inside of the Huddle Journeys app, so you can talk with me there. That's a great place to talk with me. There's a, there's a tool inside of the platform where you can have direct communication with your coach and mentor. So I'd love to hear from people who are going on my journey. It's, um, it's called Taking a Leap of Faith. It's about embracing a change process. And um, so between LinkedIn and the, the Huddle Journeys app, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Awesome. I will be sure to include links to the app and to Mark's LinkedIn page in the show notes. Mark, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.